the State College Football Podcast. Wait a second, guys. Whoever said you had to be good to play football? With Lions Digest Football beat writer, Nathan Grilla. This is incredible. They got the guards in the backfield. They got the center to the right. And, and the quarterback isn't even there. They're standing around, bud. And former freshman football assistant, Nicholas Hoshwalter. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Hello and welcome to the 17th episode of the State College Football Podcast. I'm Nick Hoshwalter. And I'm Nathan Grella. And uh, we're back. Back in black, as some might say. Not really. That's what I'm back. <laughs> All right. Off the transition into uh, a sport that we both know nothing about. Nick. Speak for yourself, Nathan. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm just kidding. I, I don't know that much about volleyball. But even though I don't know much about volleyball, I know that it's a shame when State College loses in any sport. And they did that. They lost to North Allegheny. It kind of sucks. I thought we were actually pretty good. It was in the semifinals of the championships, I think. So that's really disappointing. But And I know there are a lot of really good seniors on that team. Um, so we're losing a lot of talent. But hopefully we'll be good next year. I don't know what I'm talking about because I, I don't know the rules or anything. <laughs> yeah, we just wanted to give you some quick news about that real quick. Because we do care about other sports, not just football, even though that's mostly what we talk about 99% of the time, probably. But, in any case... Um, when your team gets eliminated, we'll talk about you. <laughs> most likely. Except we didn't talk about any other track and field, though. Or golf. Oh, well. Alright, so we, that's it for news. Let's get into that McDowell game. <laughs> um, We're starting right off bad early. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about today, so... Um, McDowell, first of all, the experience. It was um, interesting. <laughs> it was very cold. It pretty much misted the entire time. So it wasn't really that bad in terms of precipitation. We were expecting rain. Both of us dressed very extremely <laughs> for the rain and for the cold. But I may have had like five layers on my upper body or six or something. It was really cold, and... I didn't feel it. Like, you could punch me in the belly and I wouldn't feel it because I had so many layers on. Yeah, I pretty much can't use gloves most of the time because I have to tweet. And eventually got to the point where I just couldn't put my gloves on because I couldn't move my fingers. So I had to have someone help me put them on. But it's alright. I'm okay now. Get to do it next week, too. Maybe you should bring, like, a paper bag or something and put your phone or a clear plastic bag and just put your hands in the clear plastic bag and tweet, and it'll be warm. Yeah, I'm probably going to do something next week, because that's not going to be a fun time again. Next week, it's the same weather, only colder. Is that true? Yes. Oh, boy. You know, it's it's <laughs> not that surprising. I mean, it's playoffs. What do, what do you expect from playoff season? But it's certainly going to be fun. I heard um, also the soccer team got eliminated, by the way the boys soccer team and today in physics I heard one of the players talk about how he's not even that disappointed that they got eliminated because he doesn't have to play soccer in November anymore which I think is somewhat valid considering the fact that soccer players basically have to wear shorts and a t-shirt that would be really awful especially if it was raining Facts. but anyways um it was at St. Francis University which was really strange because uh we parked in the student parking lot. We walked across, the, or we walked next to the student center. We drove around the campus. We didn't see a single student the whole time. So that was interesting. <laughs> this was like completely empty. We were like, did they have mass on Friday or something? Like, why isn't no one here? Um, I guess they told all their students, hey, there are going to be high schoolers here. Everybody hide. Yeah, like they're, they're all playing the game we, of hide and seek. We did not see a high school or college student the entire time. And it was a Friday night at a relatively major university. I mean, it wasn't Penn State, but they had a pretty nice-sized campus. Um, and the student center was closed. There weren't lights on in any of the buildings. 
It was and it's very weird because it's the first week of November, so it's like, where are the students? Yeah, it's just strange. But in any case, it was a pretty decent field. Um, all in all, not a ton to say about the whole experience besides that. It was cold. It was weird. We won, obviously. Um, yeah. It beat was, up on them pretty good. It was really, really one-sided. Uh, we started the game off with a five-play drive with a Jason Green score. It put us up 7 nothing, and then... They punted it, and then we got the ball, and then we did the exact same thing on the exact same number of plays. I think we ran the exact same play f- for a touchdown, their handoff to Drayson Green. Because uh, if you look at the two videos Nick posted, they look exactly the same. They're, like, from the no, same yard line. Uh, the second one was that Heat and Alice touchdown, I believe. The second? No, it was... Let me let me Dray- go back and check Dray Twitter. scored... I'm I'm just gonna go back and check my Twitter account. In the meantime, oh, you are correct. Yeah, that that's what I green. thought. But at the same time, they were both five play drives. So yeah, and State College was running the same plays over and over at the beginning of the game. Um, they would flip the ball outside to Tommy, or yeah, Tommy would flip this the ball outside to Keaton or Cohen and just get these little screen passes, these little slant routes going, and really just started burning them on the outside with our speed. Um, at least in the beginning of the game, that's what we were doing mostly. Yes. But we we really were just same plays over and over, just getting a couple yards on each one, being pretty consistent. Um, you know, typical state college, just beating you all over the field. And believe it or not, after the second quarter at halftime, this was still kind of a game because they held our offense to only one first down in the second quarter. And that was the only quarter where our offense looked mortal, I would say. Because <laughs> the rest of the game, it was ugly. And first quarter, we just dominated them. We scored a lot of points. Second quarter, they came back a little bit. But third and fourth quarter, we really shut them down. And I think although although our offense was inconsistent in the second quarter, I think the real um, change in the game was because of the McDowell defense being not that good. At all. and Yeah, McDowell just... That's what we said going into the game. Um, we knew that this was going to be interesting. And we said that if their offense plays up, they could probably keep up in a shootout. And that was kind of the case early in the game, but it just... it they're, They didn't run... We said they'd throw the ball the most out of any team we play this year, and they did. They were balanced. And they're a balanced offense, and they're still run first, but they're a balanced offense. And they threw the ball, but they didn't do that well throwing the ball. Um, and that was really the difference, because they just couldn't execute on third or fourth down, and they'd go for fourth downs a lot because they had to. And they just couldn't get it, and it was rough for them. Yeah, it's, um, we really, the score was a little bit, um, deceiving. I think it was, they still had some, some nice plays, you know. They were still able to get some momentum, but, I mean, we were just able to bury them. But I I don't think that that was entirely... What I'm saying is, I don't think the score entirely reflected the game, for most of the game. The second half was pretty ugly, but, you know, they were able to keep it close for a while. They're a very good team. Their running back is very fast, honestly. um, And that's their backup running back, too. That's not their starter. I don't know. They didn't play their starter at all. He was probably injured. He ran over some kids big time. Um, Honestly, they have a very good team. They have a very talented team. I think it comes down to the fact that we were just able to score points early and put them behind and just put some pressure on them. Um, I think if we hadn't have kicked that onside's kick and went down and scored and suddenly it was 14 nothing before they even had the chance to get the ball, you know, we could see a very different game, but we put the screws to them and this was the result. So, Yes. Um, I guess the easy way to say it is their defense just couldn't hold water. Um, they... And, pun intended. Uh, they just couldn't really 
keep up with our offense, and their offense couldn't keep up with our offense either. It was just, this was really a classic state college game early in the year. Holiday. This is like the holidays bird game, really, where our defense gives up big chunk plays as um, to on first and second downs on the r- run, and then they come up big on third and fourth down, and they hold the te- other team to like 20 points or under, or 25 points or other under, and then our offense just gets a whole lot of 50-plus yard plays, touchdowns, win the game. So this this game was almost identical to the Holidaysburg game beside the 30-minute break in, we got in the Holidaysburg game. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting injury. Thankfully, that kid turned out to be okay as far as I know, but none of that in this game. Um, pretty cut and dry, pun intended. All right. <laughs> All right, so who was your offensive standout of the game? I'm going to go ahead and take the easy one, say Dre Green, because he had like two or three touchdowns. I think all of the running backs you could say is a player of the game because they were just dominant, including Brady Dorner, who you, we've you, seen him as a wide receiver, but hey, maybe you could take some snaps out of the backfield next year. You, you never know, know. Well, he, he took a lot of snaps out of the backfield. Well... I say a lot. (laughs) He took a lot of snaps as a quarterback compared to this year, last year, and we saw that scrambling ability. We saw how dangerous he was on the run, and um, we were able to revive that to some extent during the game, and for that reason, I'm going with what I think is the more obvious answer, potentially, due to um, the change in his performance from the last week to this week, and that was obviously Brady Dorner. Um, He had one specific breakout play 80 that, yard touchdown rush yeah yeah it, it was pretty mean um and pretty much all you heard after, as he was coming back to the sidelines was oh my gosh brady i didn't know you were that fast because he ran right up the middle and the i think l- i think isaiah edwards said uh this kid got wheels and yeah. I can actually pull up that clip for you too, so you can hear it i i have it on yeah i posted that clip on twitter but he ran right up the middle and basically just outran the linebacker, even though the linebacker had an angle on him. That kid still has wheels. I don't know if you're able to make that out because we're playing that off of a speaker from a kind of crappy quality Twitter video that is also being played at the same time as the marching brand and everyone's celebrating. But if you could hear it, uh, you could hear Isaiah say, Oh, that kid got wheels. Remember that. That kid's got wheels. And yes, he does. He's a fast dude. So hopefully we'll see him making, taking more snaps. I think he could really be effective. Even if teams know he's coming at you with the run, he's going to be hard to stop anytime. And speaking of Isaiah, um, I think that was really the turning point in this game where, Hey, the game was really close. We come out in the second half, and Isaiah rips one. I think they scored to get get it closer, and then Isaiah just brings it 86 yards as a return touchdown. And I think that, more so than the other team's defense, was really the turning point in the game that really changed momentum in our favor. Um, And we're definitely going to need those type of plays down the stretch. Yeah, so the exact situation is... um Elijah Lloyd, the running one of the running backs for McDowell, um, basically just destroyed one of our linebackers. I'm not sure who it was, but he, he just ran him over. I mean, our guy was in the way, and he tried to wrap him up and just got knocked right on the ground. Ran right into the end zone. Um, ended up making it 2013 in favor of us. So we're only up by a touchdown. And this was with uh, 3.33 left in the first half. So still pretty close. You know, McDowell's still in the game. Um, a one-score game towards the end of the second half. You know, maybe they can come out with some momentum in the second... Excuse me. End of the first half, maybe they can come out with some momentum in the second half. You know, it the game's kind of up in the air at this point. And then... And then, and then yes. Isaiah Edwards responds <laughs> by, as Nathan said, taking the kick to the house on the very next play. Um... And it was 20-13 to 13 after that uh, McDowell touchdown, and that play really gave us confidence heading into the locker room. I think our players came in the locker room and they were like, all right, it's our game now. And in the third quarter, they showed it was their game because they just came out and the offense just exploded and the defense was basically perfect. So 
and notably um mcdowell actually after edwards did that mcdowell had a couple of nice plays and they actually went all the way down to our 20 yard line um right at the end of the half and it ended up being fourth and four from from our own 20 and their quarterback threw a really nice ball into the end zone it was caught by the receiver and then tom buha comes in and rocks his world um if you haven't seen the video check it out on my twitter it's pretty hilarious he just destroys this kid guy drops the ball the wasted oh yeah yeah, absolutely wasted wasted meme yeah and so we actually kind of escaped with being up by two touchdowns if he hadn't have made that hit if that receiver hadn't dropped the ball then we'd still be going to the half only winning by one touchdown which i think could have easily changed the game you know um well yeah because mcdowell mcdowell had the ball had that McDowell was receiving the ball heading in the second half, so they could easily tie it up. I think uh, with our defense kind of down after that long run, so that could have happened, but it didn't happen. Um, our offense just stepped up in this game, played a heck of a game. There was one special teams play that was a little bit questionable, but beside that one play, there really wasn't anything terrible from any one player in this game. Yeah, and you saw you saw us have a little bit of trouble with the power running game, which isn't all that surprising. And um, you saw some of our players just getting run over, which is tough because, you know, we have some physical guys, but our linebackers are not big. And um, their running back is pretty darn big, and he could just run over people relatively easily. I think that would probably be my biggest concern with the game, but it's something that we've been talking about for the entire year, you know? It's not it's not a new development. We're just gonna have to play with it. Our front our front four looked good. Um, we got some pressure. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a, the spectacular. I think it was kind of regressing from last week, but the secondary and the linebackers were <laughs> played probably their best games all year from the secondary and the linebackers in this game. So the defensive line kind of got off, but. We're again down the stretch. We're gonna need a hundred percent from all position groups. I would say. Yeah, and just speaking about the secondary a little bit, Sammy Knipe got an interception, uh, ran backwards about ten yards, got tackled, and then it got called back for pass interference. Which I don't. It wasn't on Sammy, if I remember correctly. I don't even. I, I don't think so. He wasn't really. There, there was a lot of separation between him, and maybe that was why there was separation, but, you know. Yeah, we talked about last week about the secondary really having to step up in this game because they were going to be faced with the most passes they've faced all year, and uh, they took it in stride. They played really, really well. Um, they, they, a lot of deflected passes. Uh, again, you're playing against a sophomore quarterback, so it helps you get a, a lot of those rookie mistakes, and it looks like they might have... Uh, a similar challenge ahead of them in this next game. So, is that our transition? That is our transition. I'm done talking about this blowout win. In other <laughs> words, what you mean to say is, moving on. Yes, moving on. We got Delaware Valley this week. The game is in Hazleton, which means we'll have to travel more than an hour and 15 minutes. We'll have to travel two hours to Hazleton to a game that will have similar weather uh, to Hazleton High School, they had this game in Danville last year, which is, I thought they were t- they had it in Bloomsburg. Bloomsburg is really close to Danville, but they had it in Danville, which is closer to State College than Bloomsburg. Yeah. I don't know why they can't just have this game in Bloomsburg because it's literally exactly between the two schools. There's like not any time difference, but maybe Bloomsburg has a home game. I don't know, but. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to go that far for a game. This is. This is not going to be fun. I'd say, especially since there are snow showers in the forecast. So. Ah, well, at least, at least you don't have to play high school football in Alaska. Because I remember watching this documentary about how, well, my grandparents who live in Alaska, um, part time, I suppose you could say, their local team has to fly to a lot of I games. I mean, that's still better than driving in snow flying <laughs> literally like m- like several hours of flying time which is expensive and annoying and 
Interesting. It just comes down to... if you are complaining about playing in the snow... All right. Trust me, they get a lot worse up there, which is, as you'd imagine. It honestly just comes down to which district actually has the game. Uh, We saw that for last week was District 6, which the game was in San Francis, and that was kind of a dumb decision because it's like four hours away from McDowell. And the reason they picked St. Francis is because District 6 was the host site, and they wanted it to have in have it in District 6. And District 6 is kind of like a parallelogram from here, where it, like the the northeast end of District 6, and St. Francis is at the southwest end of District 6. So it's kind of like a slant that includes Altoona, and. Uh, I forget the name of that one town between us and Altoona. <laughs> Tyrone. Tyrone. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a slant that includes all those teams, and that's really why there's not many 6A schools there because there's not really any big towns between us and San Francis. So they wanted to have a game there, and that I understand that, but I believe District 4 or 2 owns this playoff game, and that's where we're going to have it in Districts 4 and 2 in Hazleton. Uh, last year it was in uh, District 6, which is at the far end of District 6, I believe, is Bloomsburg. So it kind of flip-flops. Just imagine if uh, District 10 had ownership because they're in this oh group and we'd have... <laughs> and Hazleton would have to drive all the way to, like, Erie and we'd have to drive to Erie. <laughs> and District 10 would be like, nope, you're having this game here and we're getting all the profits. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> so... Good. At least it's not five hours away, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. Um, how how nice is their field? Do you know? Have you checked it out yet? Um, it's an older stadium. I don't know how nice their field is. All right, I'll check it out right now. Meanwhile, it- I'll keep you updated on when we played this game last year. What do you think happened in this game last year? We won 21-14. We weren't favored going into this game. I looked back at a poll a guy on Twitter said is like, pick the winner of Delaware Valley State College. And Delaware Valley had like 79% of the votes. So Delaware Valley was somewhat favored in this game last year. And that was because they had a ton of seniors. Um, First among them was Ryan Obiso. Um, <laughs> who is who is their star running back last year? Oh, he wasn't even a lineman. No, <laughs> that would have been ironic if you had a lineman named Obiso. Yes, um, not that linemen are obese, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> so that game last year was an interesting game. There were a ton of turnovers on both sides for both teams. Um, we ended up having five turnovers, and they had like some like three or four, and it really came down to. Uh, which team capitalized off turnovers, and we were that team at the end of the game. Uh, one of the key plays was when Tommy Freiberg threw it to Cohen Russell. It went through Cohen Russell's hands and right into Brandon Clark's hands, and he ran it back for a touchdown. And that was, like, the key play in the game, and it was awesome. That was a legendary moment, as you might say. Yes. So, that put us into the next round last year against Pine Richland, and we all know how that went. So, basically what Delaware Valley did last from last year to this year is they lost all of their starters, essentially. And they got a lot shorter and a lot younger. And when he says a lot shorter, uh, <laughs> he means it. Um, apparently there's only like... There's only about... Th- there's only three, if I remember correctly from what you were reading me, there's only three people on the team that are taller than me, which is... Not that impressive, considering the fact that I'm only, like, 6'1". There are only three players that are 6'2 or 6'3, and the rest are... There's there's basically only six players that are above six feet tall on their 60-man team. Which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, yes. I know we talked about having some issues with height, maybe, in our first preview game. Well, our first episode. Our preseason preview pretty much um well this is taking it to a new level i suppose you could say i don't i don't know they also interestingly um did you say they have a female quarterback uh yeah but she does she's not the starter i mean yeah not to be sexist or anything but i would imagine 
Also, how tall is she again? Like 5'4"? Yes, 5'4". Yeah, so Nathan was like reading, going through this, um, he was going through their charts and basically reading me the heights of everyone on their team. And he got to 5'4". And he was like, 5'4", quarterback. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you know, if you thought Drew Brees was short, which he really isn't, he's just short for the NFL. A 5'4 quarterback, that is amazing. But it's not yes. really that amazing. At least not for that reason, I suppose you could say. All right, so, and then, yes, that is very amazing, actually. Um, going through some of their wins, they're 9-3. and three. Um, But four of their wins came against either Hazleton or Scranton. And, the, and basically... They had wins against West Grant and Honesdale and Abington Heights, and I don't really put much stock into those wins because those are not very good teams, and many of them are not 6A. Um, the two that I do put stock in is a 41 nothing blowout against Williamsport, which they, they, they did have Trace and Potts for that game. So that game is kind of like a, okay, because <laughs> you hold Williamsport with their best runner scoreless. And that's that's a sign of a really good defense. And we're going to talk about their defense. Their defense, although they are short, they are have a very good defense. And then another game that kind of surprises you is Wyoming Valley West. They won 45-7. And that game surprised me because Wyoming Valley West in the 5A made it to like the semifinals last year. They're a very dominant 5A team year after year. And that game... Some of these scores puzzle me because I know team these teams are good and I don't think a team this short and this young should be crushing teams like that. I mean, that Williamsport game, they're playing a team with a much bigger talent uh, pool and they just crush them. So that game kind of confuses me. But looking in their losses, they all lost to playoff teams. Penridge, who was... Penridge was not a playoff team in the 6A, but they were very close. And then they lost to Wallen Puapak, her area, who is playing Holidaysburg this week in the 5A playoffs. So, pretty impressive loss record, I would say. They lost to three borderline playoff teams, if not playoff teams. And then they beat um, Williamsport and Wyoming Valley West, who are usually very, very good. Yeah, so this isn't really a team to necessarily be scoffed at, but it certainly isn't it certainly isn't a it's game that puzzling. we should be extremely worried about. Um, I I think they're definitely better than McDowell. Um, I think they're definitely better than Mifflin County, but I wouldn't say that they're better than Central Dolphin. I wouldn't say they're better than Cumberland Valley even. Yeah, I I would. Uh, yeah, I put if, them on the if same you're, page. If you're talking about how Cumberland Valley played when we played them, I would say that they're definitely not as good. Um, I think Cumberland Valley really came out to play versus us. As far as them versus Cumberland Valley, I think their defenses are pretty similar. But the Delaware Valley offense, I would say, is probably a much better offense overall than Cumberland Valley. And McDowell's offense, I would put them ahead of Delaware Valley, but... I would put Delaware Valley's defense miles ahead of where McDowell's defense is. And let's look into their offense. Their offense is, I would say, above average. They have a really good quarterback who <laughs> who is really good when they're losing, actually. Because that's basically the only time when he throws the ball. is when they're getting killed or something. Or they're down. And they have a few overtime and comeback wins where he has really helped them out. But he's primarily a guy that just hands the ball off. So if they start to utilize some of his talent, and again, he's he's just a junior. Um, most of their team actually is juniors and sophomores. They only have nine seniors, and none of them are really contributors. So if he starts to utilize his arm, which I think he has, um, they could be a very dangerous dual-threat team because he is a dual-threat quarterback. He's over 300 yards as well. You mean 300 yards rushing? Yes. Which is respectable for high school. And then, of course, you got their running back, who is 5'6", but he has 10 touchdowns. <laughs> so, he's 5'6", has 10 touchdowns, he's like under 140 pounds, but this kid must be really, really fast. Um, Josh Bell Carcel, 
Balsarasol. If you want that spelled out, it's B A L C A R C E L. I'm guessing Balcarcel, Josh Balcarcel. And he's really the the um, main horse in their the linchpin of their offense, as we might say. Yeah, and then they got they got pretty good wide receivers as well, but they're not they. And they can create separation. They're just not huge. They're five ten and five eleven, which is pretty close to our wide receivers. But I wouldn't say because we don't really throw the ball that much. And when we do, we do it to Keaton Ellis. And not neither of these guys are on par with Keaton Ellis, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So we should have a more developed downfield passing attack. Although honestly, that's not something that State College is focused on. Um, you know, after Brandon Clark left. We really haven't seen that consistent downfield play, which is a little disappointing because I think Tommy Freiberg's good in those situations. Um, I think he's a pretty good deep field passer. Maybe even you know more so than he is you know at mid range. I don't know. It's hard to tell with how little we've seen of that. But if it's necessary, he can definitely do it. And as we know, um, Keaton Ellis is up to the task. He had several amazing catches <laughs> last week. Um, I think Nathan and I both had those out on Twitter. Um, so we shouldn't be too worried about that. Um, you know, I think we have the option to do it. It's just not something that we'd prefer to do. So as long as we can stay comfortable, you know, that's cool. Yeah, and their O line, I think is pretty good as well. Um, But, again, it just depends on which defensive line we see from State College. Uh, I think if we see the really good one, I don't think we'll have trouble dealing with this offensive line. Um, Their defense, though, is really impressive. I think every level of their defense is really good. And especially their defensive line. Their defensive line has six players with more than two sacks each. That's impressive. And two of those players have more than seven sacks. And that's without the stats from the Hazleton game, game. In yeah. they, which they haven't put in yet. So that is really, really impressive. And our offensive line is going to have a long day if they can't stop their defensive line. Because this, beside Harrisburg, I think, is the toughest defensive line you're going to face all year. Yeah, I think... We're, we're, our offensive line is definitely looking a lot more complete than it was. Um, you know, I think some of our backups, you know, Logan Lieb, I don't think he wasn't playing last week at all. I would be surprised if he plays this week. But Logan Lieb is definitely looking a lot better. Um, uh, Kobe Asendorf has definitely developed. You know, because we've had that rotation going, um, I think we definitely have a better offensive line, a more developed, balanced, comfortable offensive line. And hopefully that's enough to cancel out, you know, their their stars on defense cuz I don't I personally don't think they have as good of a defensive line as Harrisburg. Um so it's just a question of how much we've developed versus how good they really are. And I I think I think we'll be able to develop against our strength. The one thing that you see with a lot of shorter players is they're really fast. And this team is a very fast team, obviously, because they got to this point with uh, the players that they have. And if their defensive line is anything like the rest of their team, they're going to be a very fast defensive line. A fast defensive line, that's a that's a death matchup, I think, for State College. Because a lot of, especially a lot of their out, our outside tackles are well above the McDonald's weight line, if you think, if you know what I'm saying. So, I think our defensive line, or our offensive line, is going to have to match the speed of Delaware Valley, or else they're just going to be running circles around us all night and getting to Tommy very quickly. Yeah, I'm looking at um, Balsarell's uh, highlight reel right now. First of all, they, they actually do run a, seems like they run a pretty similar offense to Cumberland Valley. They do a lot of eye formation stuff, but one thing I'm noticing is that he's actually he seems to be very hard to tackle, or at least um, 
the uh, Hazleton has had a hard time tackling him because he was just destroying them. He had a couple of big kick returns. Um, there's one where a guy grabbed around his leg, like his entire leg, and he just kind of shook him off and ran for another 40 or so yards. I mean, he he looks like a pretty dangerous guy. He He's not that fast. He's definitely not faster than Cohen. Um, he's pretty shifty, though, and he... He, he runs very hard. So for a small guy, he's pretty impressive. Um, but he, he seems like almost more of a power rusher, despite the fact that he's so small. It'll be interesting to see him play. Um, he's talented. I guess his uh, size and physicality doesn't quite match with what you expect his play his playing style to be, but it seems to work. So Yeah, and that's, that's going to be a fun matchup, I think. Some of our linebackers who... Haven't as far as tackling is concerned, that it's not really been a strength or a weakness. So I'm looking forward to see how they transition to a guy like that. Final thoughts. Um, this is a team that's very very young. Uh, obviously, only nine seniors. All their key contributors are mostly sophomores. A couple juniors. In two years, this team, I think because of where they are right now, could easily compete for a championship. This team has a lot of talent, a lot of raw talent that we saw with State College two years ago when we made it to the stage and lost to Williamsport. This team has a lot of a lot of skill and a lot of speed, but they don't have a lot of size. And I think that's going to really play a key role in a game like this where we're going to... Both teams are probably going to have to scrap it out, especially in the first half. And I like our players m- more because of that experience against Harrisburg, against that experience against blah, because of that experience against Central Dauphin to scrap it out more than a team like Delaware Valley has, who hasn't really been challenged by a contender all year. I mean, they play Wyoming Valley West, and they play. Wallen Puapak, Pack, but those are both 5A contenders, and this is the real, their first real test against a 6A championship contender. So this game could ease, could go very bad for Delaware Valley, or they could really hit a seam and just uh, get that upset. I feel good about this game. I wouldn't say that I'm very confident in it, um, but it, it should be. It, we should have a pretty decent time here. I guess it could be considered a good experience going into playoffs um, to just have some experience playing with a team that is going to be better, that's going to challenge us physically. We'll see what happens. It should be good. Yeah, absolutely. It should it should be a fun time, I think, um, because we're playing a team that actually will play us on the... That, that could... Um, go head-to-head with us in track and field, I guess. Because you look at a team like Cumberland Valley or Central Dauphin, like some of those guys have a lot of meat. So uh, we can run circles around, basically, but this is a team that might be able to run circles around us because they're a really fast team. So it just depends on how well, how big those gaps are and if we fill them correctly. I think that's a, that's a, good, that's a good ending note. All right. So what do you think? Do you think we'll win, or do you think we'll lose? I I um, think we'll win. I think we should win. Um, I don't think it'll necessarily be a convincing win, but I think it'll be a win, and that's what matters, right? So. <laughs> All right, let's move into playoff time. Whoa! The fun, the funnest part of the. <laughs> the funnest part of the podcast because we don't have to talk about state college. <laughs> we can talk about fun high school football matchups that happened. Um, Not that we don't like t- talking about state college. By all right, means. let's get a quick rundown of all the things that happened, then we can make our predictions. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, Sounds good. So uh, North Penn played Nishamani, and I heard that na- said correctly because I listened to. Um, the podcast that Billy Splain does. Yes, it is actually Nishamani. I was correcting <laughs> you the wrong 
way. So basically. it is. It is Nishamani, and we. I picked Nishamani. I remember, and they only lost by touchdown to North Penn, and North Penn was winning that game seven to six almost the whole way through. <laughs> so that that game was uh, Borefest. I heard in the rain. North Penn, I think, has underachieved this playoffs. They've they only beat Ridley by twelve points, and they only beat Nishamani by seven. They could be on upset alert going into next week against a team that beat Harry S. Truman, Downingtown West. So that'll be your matchup in the first matchup of District 1. Also in District 1, Coatesville took care of business. They were well ahead of Downingtown East early, and then they put in their backups in Downingtown East, scored a couple points in garbage time. They won 38-19. They'll move on, no surprise there. We all picked the upset Quaker Town over Garnet Valley. For some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, and, yeah. I, I, I think honestly, because Garnet Valley was that third my team. Dad, my dad was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> I was like, yes. What am I thinking? Um, I, I think it, was it was peer yes. pressure. It yes. was peer pressure. That's all what right. I was talking down to. You and, you and Caleb picked first, and I got sucked in. And that doesn't make me any less of an idiot. But it makes... You know what? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, I think we saw Garnet Valley... I mean, they they scored a... They put a whooping on Pensbury, but... They also... But Garnet Valley was the... They were the third unbeaten team out of District 1. And whenever you see three unbeaten teams, you're not really sure which one's the best. And I think we all looked at the tape and saw North Penn and Coatesville as definite top five teams in the state, but we also yeah, saw Garnet sure. Valley in and out of the top ten every week. And that kind of gave us questioning, like, is Garnet Valley really that good? And it seemed like Quakertown with an upset win over Perk Valley, we were like, oh, maybe they have a chance. Turns out they didn't. They lost 49-14 to in a game that was 49 nothing most of the way through. Yeah, so just, you hate to see it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a tough loss. But you know, that's how sports goes. So, next up, we have Harrisburg versus the old favorite. I'm sorry, Wilson! Wilson, Our sorry. last time playing it. I'm sorry! Wilson! Wilson! And this time we're actually sorry because they lost and we feel sorry for them because they were such a fan favorite and we wanted them to win so much. And uh, Harrisburg just... Went up early. I think Wilson. It was so. It was a really windy day at Severance Field. I heard. The, Severance Field. Yes. So basically, <sighs> Harrisburg went up eight nothing. They kicked it to Wilson. Wilson went four and out, and then Wilson had a nine yard punt. Ugh. <laughs> because it was Ugh. so windy, he punted it into the wind, and it blew backward, and it was nine yards, and they scored sixteen nothing, and it was basically over at that point because Wilson just couldn't score points effectively and that was the difference of the game moving on we got Central Dolphin they beat Mannheim Township and we were all like yeah Mannheim Township I don't think they're that good because they don't play in a very good conference like Central Dolphin does and I think everybody saw this game was like Central Dolphin has has the better eye test than Manheim Township, and they really proved that a shutout win over Manheim Township, and that and Man Central Dolphin could be on upset alert this week. Moving into the rest of the bracket on the right side, Freedom beat Parkland 35 to 21 in a rematch of three weeks ago. No surprise there. Emmaus beat Easton by a touchdown. I think you guys were on upset alert there, and I was like, nope, Emmaus, I I like them. And I still like them. Now the game that's a little bit more fun. St. Joe's and LaSalle College. And we were up. We were we were having fun during the game. Because our game was so boring. We kept, <laughs> we kept uh, looking over at the score of this game. And this game. It was 13-10. At the end of the third quarter. LaSalle was up by 3. And then St. Joseph stormed back. And yeah, stormed we were, with a vengeance. We were on the field. And... Given, just trying to wrap our minds around this, you know, and it was kind of distracting to be honest because I was like, Nathan's always like, "Oh, I'm gonna check the score every minute," 
and I'm and like standing there trying to take pictures and like breathe on my hands so I don't get frostbite. Just kidding. It's not wasn't that bad. Listen, if St. Joe's that. loses in the second round of the playoffs, that's worth freezing your hands over. But I, I, it turned agreed, out not agreed. to <laughs> And instead I just froze my hands and watched them lose. As in yes. watch LaSalle lose, which was just a shame. I mean, truly, we believed in them. Yes, kind of. We were, we were rooting for them very hard. And um, also, it's notable yeah. to say, when Nathan says stormed back, um, they did we, only win by 10 points. <laughs> well, so, yeah. But they were in control of the game. I mean, the so. second half, LaSalle couldn't do anything on offense. It was... it was Their, their defense just shut them down, and their offense just did what they needed to do. It was classic St. Joe's in the second half. Moving on to their... Future matchup, Northeast Philly beat Central Philly 25-0. And this was a rematch. The game earlier this year, they won 36-0. So he could be looking at a regressing Northeast team against a hot St. Joe's team. And that's not something that you like to see. Well, I mean, even if St. Joe's... And we talked about this a lot the last podcast. Even if St. Joseph's isn't hot per se you never know i mean they're they're just too good they don't have to be hot to beat pretty much every team in the state um if they're going up against pine richland yes maybe but you know for the, for this week that's not really i mean northeast uh they're not in a very good um, position position yeah and honestly they don't really play many good teams besides st joe's you know, it's not a very strong division district, I suppose. So, it's very top-heavy yes. with one team. <laughs> All right. As for the Whitpeel, uh, Pine Richland took care of business 46-16 over Mount Lebanon. And then there was the surprise. North Allegheny, who looked so strong all year, who beat Pine Richland scoring 20 points in the fourth quarter, <laughs> might have been looking ahead a little bit. And Seneca Valley came up and bit them, and they won 31-14. And Seneca Valley is going to Heinz Field instead of the Tigers. And that was really the upset of the weekend, I would say. Caught all the eyes. Honestly, it might be one of the upsets of the year. Um, Unless Seneca Valley can do it again this week. (laughs) Then it would definitely be Seneca Valley. Which is very unlikely. Yes. Um... It's very hard to do something like that twice, yeah. I would say. All right, so let's pick some of these games. North Penn versus Downingtown West. And North Penn really, like... <laughs> I mean, they, they've struggled their last two games. And that's why I'm going with Downingtown West. They're more battle-tested, and I like them as possibly an upset for next week against Coatesville. Because they have been really hot ever since they lost to Coatesville, their first matchup. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you on this. Um, I think this is a good opportunity for Downingtown West. You know, I think they're looking at this game and they're realizing, you know, they win a couple more games than they're in. This is their chance, you know. And really, they're looking at that last game with North Penn only winning by seven points against Nishamini only scoring 13 points. Um, and really, they're looking at them only scoring 26 against a 16th seed Ridley. I think they believe that they can get the upset here, too. Yes. Um, and it's notable to say they only won by two against Harry S. Truman. But it's different when it's between a four and a five seed and a, and a uh, one and an eight seed. You yes. know, that that's, that's the world of a difference. So... I don't know. Maybe North Penn will use this as motivation, but I think that it is, it's very possible that Downingtown West will use this as more motivation than North Penn. So that's why I picked them. All right, so we're both picking the Whippets then. Yes. If you, if you didn't know, their nicknames are the Whippets. I'm sure they've never heard that joke before. Ever. <laughs> so, the, we're both picking the Whippets in that game. Let's move on to the other District 1 matchup. Coatesville versus Garnet Valley. And I... 
may have a surprise for you, but I'll like Nick go first. Alright, Coatesville, Dar Downingtown, bleh. Coatesville, Garnet Valley, you know. This is a great <laughs> matchup, though. It is. This is a it great is. matchup. Garnet Valley is looking good right now. These um, two teams haven't played each other yet. Very true. And Garnet Valley just came off of a beatdown on Quakertown um, and Pensbury. They're they're hot, and so is Coatesville. Uh, Coatesville looking impressive as ever. So you're looking at this game as pretty big. I mean. Two hot teams, you know, a two seed and a three seed. But I'm going for Coatesville. I've been going for Coatesville the entire bracket, every episode. I like Coatesville. Um, they continue to perform. They haven't shown me anything to make me question how good they are. They've taken care of business at CB East. They've taken care of business at Downingtown East. There's nothing I see that makes me feel any worse about Coatesville. So that's why I'm picking them. Because they are proven and they are good. True. However, this is a playoff game. Anything can happen. Garnet Valley coming off two blood wins. They're coming in confident. They're coming in ready. And they, the Jaguars, take the win over the Red Raiders. Garnet Valley with the upset win. And I think this is definitely in the realm of possibility. It's going to be a close game either way. If it's not a close game... Coatesville is a, is a heavy favorite to win the championship then because Garnet Valley is on par with just about every other team in the bracket besides St. Joseph's. So, I'll take Garnet Valley. Yeah, and I'd like to point out the fact that you have had Coatesville as one of your favorites for pretty much the be since the beginning of the playoffs. And then I would also like to point out that I had Garnet Valley losing in the first round of the playoffs. So, against Council Rock South or something. Ooh. <laughs> so. Yeah. This is a... I bet you never thought you'd find yourself in this position, but here we are. Despite that, I don't think that you're correct. All right. Let's move into another game that I also upset. Another huge matchup. Harrisburg versus Central Dolphin. The rematch. Harrisburg beat them by like 35 points or something the last time they played each other. But this game has all the hype. There are a lot of Harrisburg people that are looking forward to this game a lot. They're looking forward to the rematch. And uh, Central Dolphin is way more prepared, I would say, for this game than they were last time. Harrisburg, I think, they've... I don't think they're as good as people think they are. They're still a very good team, but they're not as good as St. Joe's or Coatesville or really uh, any other top flight team in this bracket. So this this is why I'm on upset alert. I think this is going to be a Friday night game. It's, it's, it's going to be at Central Dolphin. So I'm going to take Central Dolphin in this game. And what do you think? Oh boy. I, I, I hate to do this to you again, but reality check. Harrisburg's a better team. Alright? I, I don't see Central Dolphin improving that much. And similar to Coatesville... Harrisburg hasn't done anything in this season to make me question their ability. Harrisburg has looked good in every single game this year. Except for their game against Coatesville. Of course, <laughs> but we're not talking about Coatesville. And do you think that Central Dolphin is better than Coatesville? Do I? Th no, because Harrisburg lost to Coatesville. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't say Central Dolphin is better than Coatesville. I just think they're going to come up and bite Harrisburg because Harrisburg is playing on a Friday night in their place. And Central Dolphin is a tough team. I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm not feeling it. I'm very confident that I'm going to come back to this seat in a week and be able to toot my own horn about how there's no chance that Central Dolphin was able to beat Harrisburg. But that's just my arrogant opinion. Um, like I said, Harrisburg just has the athletes. Um, we took care of business against Central Dolphin. We were able to shut them down with our speed. We were able to shut them down with our fast and aggressive defensive line. Um, we were able to shut them down on the outside. Harrisburg has all of that and more, so I don't think they'll have too much trouble with Central Dolphin. Whoever wins this game actually gets a bye week. Interesting. To the District 1 and 3 final. Because District 3 only has 8 teams in the playoff and not 16 like District 1. So, 
that's a little fun fact. Moving on into uh, the other side of the bracket, Freedom versus Emmaus. I have been high on Emmaus all year for no reason. I don't know anything about them, but I'm high on them, and I'm going to keep riding that high, and I'm going to go with Emmaus. And I am sticking with the old... That is a long freedom. That's like uh, 10 seconds. <laughs> I'm sticking with the old favorite, Freedom, because I'm a party pooper and I picked the favorite to win in in some cases. But um, I think Freedom's looking good this year. Um, Emmaus already lost to Freedom earlier this year. It wasn't a very close game, and I don't think that Emmaus has improved enough to overcome that gap. Um, I guess you could definitely make the argument that it's tough to beat a team twice. Um, that's something that is very true in sports most of the time. But I think in this case, it's not quite enough. All right. And then we got St. Joseph Northeast. Nothing much to say about this game except St. Joseph's definitely going to get the win because I think Northeast is just outmatched in this matchup. We're both picking St. Joe's. Not much to talk about there. But, in the Whippeal, at Heinz Field, next Saturday, we got Pine Richland and Seneca Valley. Now, you might be thinking, these two teams played each other, and it was a blowout Pine Richland to win. And you would be right. But Seneca Valley, playing really good football lately, just beat North Allegheny. They beat Central Catholic. They've been everyone's dogs in the playoffs. And for that reason... I'll let Nick pick first. <laughs> Alright. Um, Pine Richland looked really good last week. Uh, they beat Mount Lebanon 46-16. And like Nathan said, pretty much all of those 16 points came late in the game. Um, they, they just they went out and took care of business against the number 3 seed. So it's not like Mount Lebanon was that far off in the seeding. Obviously there's a big skill gap, but... I think North Allegheny drew the tougher. <laughs> like, like if you look at the... Mount Lebanon, I don't think, is anywhere close to Seneca Valley or Central Catholic. And it's not... I, I don't... And it's really obvious, I think. Mount Lebanon shouldn't have even been the three seed. But they were. And that's how it sh stacked up, so... Yeah. So, Pine Richland all the way. Um, I hate to be that guy, but... I think we're going to end up playing Pine Richland next week and or in two weeks, and that's where we're going to stand. I don't think we're going to be playing Seneca Valley, but some people don't agree with me. Nathan. Throwback to old NFL films music. The wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea with a rollicking song he sweeps along. Swaggering boisterously. His face is weather beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Seneca Valley with a win. Raider Nation takes over Pine Richland and Heinz Field. Seneca Valley with the win and will face them next week. They win the Whippeal 6A in a stunning upset. Blue Raiders over the Rams. I wish it were true. I really do. Um, but I I don't think that's accurate. I so, really hope. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I, I do too. I, I wish it were accurate too, but um, unfortunately, in my opinion, it's not. So... If there's a game at high, and if there's a game you want to go to on Saturday, it's that game because that game is gonna be fun. 
It's either oh. going to be a blowout or it's going to be a fun game. So, And you get to go to Heinz Field, which is just cool to begin with. Anytime you get to see uh, high school football in a Brewer Stadium, that's awesome in my opinion. So, And you know Seneca Valley is just going to be digging in their cleats this week at practice. Because oh, yeah. They, they're looking at Pine Ridge. Absolutely. They look at that. That blowout, blowout loss, and they were looking at Whipple champs. I mean, you upset North Allegheny, then you upset Pine Richland, man. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be tough got... to beat. That's gonna be tough to beat. Um, I that would be really cool. I I really hope that happens for Seneca Valley. We would remember that for a long time. All right, before we do plugs and finish this one off, we got the predictions. Predictions. What are we predicting? All right, so. My prediction is that the Hazelton field will be grass. Because I don't know, so I can't, like, fact check or anything. What kind of a prediction is that? <laughs> what kind of a half-hearted prediction is that? That's weak. But I would like to point out, first of all, that my prediction from last week was mostly true. I said that we wouldn't attempt a punt or a field yeah, goal. you were right, actually, I think. Yeah. We didn't punt, and we had one weird, fake kind of field goal so thingy. So that's not an attempt. You which isn't right. really an attempt. So I was right. So I'm on a bit of a roll, thank you. But not really. And I was also right. I predicted that State College Hockey would win by seven goals or more. And they did that. They won like 11 to nothing. There was a big brawl at the end of the game. It was fun. Also, how many rushing yards do we have? Do you know? Sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we can't fact check Caleb's right now. But we'll get it out. We'll get it out. We'll probably send out a tweet or something. But in any case, um, my prediction. Are we just doing this about state college football? Or is this like the whole league? It could literally be about anything in the universe. <laughs> Except for politics. All right. And religion. <laughs> and taxes. <laughs> well, taxes are politics, right? Not really. <laughs> okay. Well, um... My prediction is that Jeremy Bullock will have two catches for more. Two catches for first downs. The outfield is backing up, and you laid down a bunt. <laughs> I think that's definitely going to happen. So, Especially since Jeremy Bullock is like 6'6", and the guys he's going up against are 5'10". So. Yeah, so <laughs> both of us have pretty weak weak predictions, but that's okay. My prediction is not that weak. Saying it's a grass field, that's like I mean, that's like, like throwing a dart at a dartboard and <laughs> winning and like winning a game of checkers at the same time. So, what? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't. Cuz I just made it up. Um Yeah, my prediction is way better than that cuz Jeremy Bullock is definitely going to get at least two catches if not more than 10 because <laughs> he's going to be targeted against guys that are much shorter than him. Again, there's a six inch difference between him and their middle linebacker. So, Oh, gee, <laughs> <laughs> that that's, yeah, that should, man, that, that, that should be, that should be a mismatch. Um, if it isn't, if that isn't something we take advantage of, I'm going to be disappointed for sure. So, Actually, right. it's probably more than a. Actually, it's probably more than six inches because every person they have listed on their roster as a linebacker is five nine or shorter. So yeah, that's a mismatch. Wait, five nine <laughs> or shorter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Nick's slowly finding out how short <laughs> Delaware is. That is really short. Let's like... run through their linebacker heights. 5'5", five, 5'10", five, five, 5'9", five, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and, uh... Wow. That's it. <laughs> I mean, that that's short. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and on that note, <laughs> you can contact me at NathanGrella at gmail.com or at NathanGrella on Twitter. Or you can contact me at NickHoss75 on Twitter. Or you can also email me, nickhoff75 at gmail.com. You can check out our playoff bracket on, in the link in the description. You can check out our Facebook page on another link in the description. And uh, 
Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> um, if you just Google our podcast, you can find it, but you've already found it because you're listening to it. But uh, I actually Googled our podcast today, and it turns out we're on a whole bunch of other podcast sites that I didn't put it on. So <laughs> if you use any of those sites, there's a pretty good chance we're on there. So that's good, I guess. Yeah. All right, let's finish it up. And on that note, this has been the State College Football Podcast. Go Little Lions. And I'm Nathan. <laughs> Go Little Lions. <laughs> okay, you know what? You know what? Stop, stop. Okay. This has been the State College Football Podcast. I'm Nick Hossalter. And I'm Nathan Grella. Go Little Lions. Go Little Lions.